Uh, we're going to just go straight into the Word this evening. Uh, Genesis uh, chapter 12 is our text. Our title is A Lasting Mission. Our text is Genesis 12 through to Revelation. <laughs> Settle in. It's going to be a long night. Our premise is that a lasting, compelling biblical vision will steady us and keep us through disappointment, delays, and setbacks, and help us be leaders that last. That's our premise, that a lasting, being caught up in a lasting, compelling biblical vision and mission will steady us through disappointments, delays, and setbacks, and enable, to be leaders, enable us to be leaders that last, a lasting mission. Uh, a reminder before we get into it, we are Refakara's missional. Uh, Refa Charismational, Reformed, we love God's Word, we celebrate the doctrines of grace and sovereignty. Uh, we are charismatic, we are spirit-empowered, we are in eager and intelligent pursuit of the presence, power, fruit, and gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we're missional. So individually, we have outward-oriented evangelistic lives, and collectively, we are evangelistic and interchurch planting in both the neighborhoods and the nations, a lasting Mission, Refakara's missional, a lasting mission. It's the bit we're talking about this evening. And we've got three titles. Title number one, heading one, out of Abraham's loins. You might just want to say loins because you're going to be wanting to say it all night. It's a great word. Out of Abraham's loins. Three eras of mission and game on. Let's get into it. Out of Abraham's loins, Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I'm going to bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And key phrase, could we read this together? And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So what's the context? Well, the context is the previous 11 chapters. And you'll remember that Genesis 1 and 2, perfect. Perfect creation perfect relationship, man with God, perfect relationship, Adam with Eve. And they were just beginning to multiply, cultivate the earth and fill it all out. Genesis 3, problem, understatement, disaster. Adam and Eve doubted God's goodness, which is always the prelude for disobeying his word. And as a result of their sin, a curse came on the earth. It corrupted their relationship with God. It corrupted their relationship with each other and all horizontal relationships between man and wife, men and women generally. Brothers even killed brothers. Even man's relationship with the soil was corrupted. It no longer responded leniently to his touch. 
And things slid downhill from Genesis 3 to a very low point in Genesis 6, so low that God decided to cleanse the earth, the wicked, filthy earth, with a flood. Following the flood, after a little bump of righteousness, things hit the slide again, down to another desperately low point in Genesis 11, the city and tower of Babel. And the arrogance and the rebellion of Genesis 11 gave us deja vu feelings, on a, I think on a greater scale even, than the arrogance and rebellion of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. No, God, we know best. No, God, we know best. Instead of spreading out and filling the, cultivating and filling the earth, they stopped, settled. God says spread out. They said, no, we're going to settle. And you know what? We're going to build a tower to the heavens. Mankind has learned nothing. Between Genesis 3 and Genesis 11, we're on this sin-induced tailspin into destruction as God cursed Adam and Eve in chapter 3. So he curses the growing humanity in chapter 11. He gives them new languages under duress as a forced scattering, a spreading out. So yes... The Genesis 1 and 2 fill the earth and multiply. You who are in my image fill the earth. And, well, it's happening, but it's dark. It's under duress. No wonder Von Red concludes chapter 11 saying the whole primeval history 1 through 11, therefore seems to break off in shrill dissonance. And we now ask the question even more urgently, is God's relationship with the nations now finally broken? Is God's gracious forbearance now exhausted? Has God rejected the nations in wrath forever? These Sinful, scattered, lonely, striving nations spreading out across the earth. Has God rejected the nations in wrath forever? That is the burdensome question no thoughtful reader can avoid. And it is burdensome indeed. If you've read 1 through 11, you get to the end of 11 and you feel ill. And you turn the page from 11 to 12 thinking surely the hammer of God is now going to fall. So we read, despondently, chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said, and we pause with a little flicker of hope, because we've heard those words somewhere before. And now the Lord said, now the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said, let there be, and there was. 
Remember those from right back here. And the Lord said, let there be. And there was. The Lord said, let there be. And then we've encountered these same words here. And we just think, is it just possible that if these words were used for perfect creation, that is it just possible that rather than the hammer of God fall, the kindness of God comes and out of a perfect creation came a messed up creation? Could this be the, could this be the beginning of some kind of new creation? Some kind of recre recreation? Battery? Put it in the back. I can do that. This was in my notes. This was like the really key bit, you know, <laughs> the beginning of recreation. <laughs> was it the battery? <laughs> Instead of <laughs> Shall I use uh, another mic or should we change batteries? Which? No, um, no, this mic. Thank you, Johnny. Instead of the hammer of God falling, the hand of God comes down and he touches an Iraqi, a man from modern-day Iraq, on the shoulder, a man called Abraham, and he plucks him out, it's total grace, totally undeserved, and he says, Abraham, my hand is going to be on you. I'm going to bless you, Abraham. This is Abraham here. I'm going to bless you, and out of your loins is going to become a nation, Israel, and the blessing that I've laid on you, I'm going to bless them. And through this nation of Israel, that come out of you, blessed individual, comes a blessed nation. Out of this blessed nation, somehow, details not given, somehow, these lost, lonely, striving, sinful, willful nations of the earth, all now scattered under duress, somehow they will be blessed through this nation which will come from you, O blessed individual. Details not given. Now, I suspect there's another couple of layers here, because out here we've got these lost, lonely, striving, willful, sinful nations, all with different languages. Somewhere out there, they're out there, and God says, I'm putting my hand on you. From you will come a nation, and somehow from this nation, the blessing, my blessing, from you, Abraham, through them, is going to get right out to these people groups. I think there's another couple of layers to go, but Abraham's not told about them. No word given explicitly to him. Now, we were pretty despondent, remember, when we got to the end of chapter 11, because we thought there's just no conceivable way that some kind of redemptive plan could be in the heart of God, the kindness of God, that would somehow overturn sin and death, be powerful enough to do that, because that's what the problem has been since Genesis 3. And even if you could find a solution to overcome sin and death, how are we going to get that solution out to the lost, lonely, scattered, striving tribes? And if we do it in one generation, how are we going to do it in the next and the next and the next? We are very despondent, but we see not the hammer, but the hand come. And God says, Abraham, bless you. Out of you will come Israel. And somehow from this nation, the, the gospel is going to get, get to the, these scattered tribes. Now, Abraham wasn't told how it would happen. We are told how it, how it would happen. Probably nowhere more explicitly than Galatians 3.14. 
the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Do you get that? That's a missing layer. We've got Abraham, we've got Israel, and now we've got it'll, and the, the scattered Gentile nations. It'll come to them through Jesus Christ. So we're developing a picture. Abraham, Israel. Out of the individual comes the nation. Out of the nation comes the individual of all individuals, the Jew of Jews, Jesus. And somehow it's going to get from him to these scattered Gentile nation groups. We're told in uh, Matthew chapter 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew knew that he was writing about Jesus, who was the son of God, who was the son of Abraham. He was this, this one in this progression of Abraham. And in Luke 2, in the great pride rock, uh, lion king moment of the New Testament, when old man Simeon holds up baby Jesus in his hands, listen, listen to what this lion of Judah, listen to what he says of him. My eyes have seen your salvation Father, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, this boy, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and to the glory of your people Israel. So out of the one comes the nation of Israel. Out of the nation of Israel comes the one who will be the glory of Israel and he will be the conduit. He will, in fact, he himself will be the blessing to these nation people groups. I got so excited when I was preparing this message that I wrote a short poem. An Israelite would one day be born who was God himself in human form. This Jew of Jews, the prophets foretold, would take away the sin of the world. The nations strive, the nations are cursed, but through Abraham's loins comes a savior to earth. Though scattered and cursed in spiritual death, through Christ all nations shall be blessed. No wonder Christopher Wright says of Genesis 12, a new world, ultimately a new creation begins in this text. God's mission of world redemption begins. God's mission of world redemption begins. There's three eras to this mission of world redemption. The first era is Israel, second Jesus, third the church. The Israelite era, the first era, interestingly, felt very parochial and inward compared to ours, but they never got in trouble for, for not going on mission trips to the nations, not being evangelistic to their neighboring countries. The Old Testament prophets castigated Israel for all sorts of things, but never for being insular. In this era of God's mission, it was mostly inward with a little bit of outward. This era was more about them reflecting God than reaching out. It was more about them modeling godliness than moving out. In fact, God said to them, don't go to the nations. The nations will come to you. It was more of a come to us. It was a more be the people of integrity, a godly people. You don't need to reach out, though. Now, they did a little bit of outward Elijah, Elisha, Jonah all did forays into other nations. They were re receptive to sojourners and foreigners who would come in amongst them. Tamar, uh, Ruth, Rahab, they took them in. But the thrust was inward, it wasn't outward. By New Testament standards, insular. 
with a bit of outward. Then, drum roll, the page turns from Malachi to Matthew, and it's like you've stepped into a whole new missiological world. In, within pages, the impetus picks up for mission, evangelism, the velocity quickens, and the direction begins to change, but not quickly. Even in Jesus' era, his thrust was inward. Remember, he said to the Syrophoenician woman, uh, she said, can you, can you d- deliver my daughter of a demon? And he said, listen, I've come to feed the children of the house of Israel, not to give food to you Gentile, in inverted commas, dogs. When he sent out the 12, he said, don't go to the Samaritans and Gentiles. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It was an inward focus. Now, Jesus could not resist, and the season of mission was changing, and he began to leak out everywhere, often (laughs) to the outward, to the Gentiles, way more than the Old Testament, not as much as the church era, but the outward engine began to fire. So even Jesus' genealogy, if you read Matthew chapter 1, involves Gentiles. To be a Jew reading that, see these Gentile names in in, uh, in, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 1, they're right there. Jesus' birth, there were three magi, Gentiles, not Jews, front row seats. The Roman centurion's servant, he healed the Roman centurion's servant, and he said of the centurion, I have not seen such great faith either, even in Israel. He was beginning to do stuff outside of Israel. He took his disciples across the lake to Legion. He delivered Legion, a Gentile of all his demons, and he said, go and tell your family. It had begun. The outward had properly, properly started. Even his death, who was it who recognized what the Jews did not recognize? Another Roman soldier. Truly, you are the Son of God. And in addition to more mission, more outward focus, the sense of commissioning, the, the calling of Jesus, he said, come follow me and I'll make you into just reflectors of my glory. No, I'll make you into fishers of men, active fishers of men. He called the, the, the disciples, the disciples called their friends. Ascending culture kicked in. He sent them out two by two. He sent the 12 out. He sent the 70 out. There's a propagation now to go. Not like the Old Testament, not as much as our era, but Jesus was straddling these two eras. Participation was beginning to happen. It was still largely inward and reflective rather than reaching out, but outward was beginning to happen. Then, third era, the page turns again from the earthly ministry of Jesus to the ascended ministry of Jesus, and it's, it, it is explicit, overt commissioning, not just to reflect and be godly and be in, have integrity, which of course is still in play, the inward, the caring for one another. It is now gloves off, all restraining order lifted. It's go to the nations. Matthew 28, Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, verb. Make, verb. Disciples of all nations, all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And I'm with you always to the end of the age. Right here, we've got a more detailed version, Matthew 28, 
what we ha- of what we had in Genesis 12. Genesis 12 was a bit, it was more general. It's going to happen, but details not given. Now in Matthew 28, details given. We've got the full picture now. It's, it's Abraham, bless an individual. Out of an individual comes a blessed nation. Out of a blessed nation comes the individual of all individuals. The blessed one, Jesus. And from Jesus comes a commissioning to a new Israel, a new people, to go and take what God said to Abraham. He was start with Abraham to take that, actually take it to these striving, lost, lonely, willful, sinful, rebellious nations across the face of the earth. The church... The new Israel, the nation, Jesus, nation of Abraham. We've got the full picture. Luke 24. Forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. Say proclaimed. To all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Stay in the city till you're clothed with power from on high. It's all action. It's action stations. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Can you feel the action orientation that's just grown and grown and grown and grown? Then Jesus takes his gloves off and he says, game on, fellas. You're, you're the fulfillment. You're the, you're, this, you're the final bit of the conduit. It's actually you who are taking me. You're my body. You're taking me to these lost, lonely, scattered, willful, striving, sinful nations. That's the plan. And the lights begin to go on for us. Because us lot, we could never come up with, we could never be the solution to overcome sin and death. Then you get the solution in Jesus. But then how are you going to get the message of Jesus to the nations? Well, you need a nation to do that, a new nation. You need us, a nation amongst the nations, to do that. How are we going to do it in the next generation? Well, our nation continues. It grows into the next generation. So all these lost, lonely, scattered nations throughout the generations can be reached with the message of Jesus. Abraham, Israel, Jesus, new Israel, us. And then you get to, we haven't even got to Acts chapter 2 yet. Things go mental. Us lot, the new Israel, the church, how do we start? Well, in Acts chapter 2, we start, I quote, with every nation under heaven listening in as the glories of Christ are proclaimed from the, the upper room, everyone hearing it in their own language. God orchestrated the birth of the new Israel, the new the church era to coincide with a festival so big that a representative from every nation under earth happened to be there hearing Christ proclaimed in his own, in his own language. Babel flipped on it. Remember the, the crisis of Babel flipped on its head. Different languages separated by geography, hostility, different languages, no conduit to hear the message that God gave to Abraham and to Israel about Jesus and now through us. And now, the, right at the beginning of our church era, it's a representative from every nation hearing it in his own language. The curse of Babel languages has now become a blessing. This is redemption on a monumental scale. And there was fire. It wasn't just tongues at Pentecost. There was fire on different heads. 
system of fire in the Old Testament is to keep the people of God together. Cloud of pillar by day, cloud of fire by night. Keep your eyes on the fire and stay together. Don't wander off, kids. No wandering off. Let's stay as Israel. Don't wander off into the other nations. Follow the fire. Keep together. <laughs> it's on different heads. Everyone empowered as a as an evangelistic zeal, everyone empowered as a prophet, as a proclaimer. God's progression of mission is truly remarkable. Acts begins in Jerusalem HQ. Gen Jewish HQ in Jerusalem. Acts ends up in Gentile HQ in Rome. Rome, Paul preaching the good news there. And on the way, Ethiopian eunuchs, Samaritans get reached with the gospel. They get scattered. They go amongst not just Jews, but amongst Gentiles. Cornelius, a Gentile, is declared clean. Peter has to take the gospel to them. God says to Peter, what I have said is clean. Don't you say is unclean now. There was a, there was a fight on for the reality of the church being outward looking and out other oriented and on a mission. There was still inward. Galatians 6. Do good to everyone as you have the opportunity, especially those of the household of faith. There was still inward. There was still integrity. There was still strengthening that needed to happen. You read the epistles. So much of it is doctrine. You think about Romans. Romans 1 through 14, doctrine. Romans 15, we've got to get, the, we've got to, get to Spain. There was integrity and strength. There was strengthening as well as lengthening. Paul, the great strengthening apostle, he describes his ministry in Genesis 12 language to bring about, it says Romans 1, 5, Romans 15, Romans 16, to bring about the obedience of faith amongst the nations. Paul, this great church strengthener, saw himself in the line of Abraham, Israel, Jesus, the new Israel, the church. We are bringing about the obedience of these lost, lonely, scattered tribes of Israel. Now, there's one more era. I said there's three. There's, there's a fourth. And it's going to be great. It's the era of celebration, of, completing, uh, of completion. Revelation 5, 9. They sang a new song. We read this together. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You ransomed them. Let's read on. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Eternity is going to be representatives from all these lost lonely, willful, striving, sinful nations around the throne of God. What God planned right back in Genesis 1, fill the earth and multiply. And what got corrupted and broken is now magnificently redeemed for all eternity. Mission accomplished. Curse of Babel broken. Heading three, game on. Game on part A, allow, brothers and sisters, this phrase, all the families of the earth, to be written on our hearts, to be written on your heart. 
it is not acceptable if we're Bible believers, Bible readers, Bible lovers. It's simply not acceptable. It's not biblical Christianity to have a majority inward focus. It's just not the rhythm. It's just not. We've just read it. We've just looked at it. Let all the families of the earth be written on our hearts. The late John Stott says, The nations are not gathered in automatically. If God has promised to bless all the earth, he has promised to do so through Abraham's seed. Now we are Abraham's seed by faith. And the earth's families will be blessed only if we go to them with the gospel. That is God's purpose. I pray these words, all the families of the earth, may be written on our hearts. We need to allow that, that phrase to ruin us and wreck us. And Man, I love, love the amount of ink in advance. The number of tattoos. Has anyone got all the families of the earth? Anyone got that? Okay, the race is on, fellas. Yeah, me? Yeah? Here? <laughs> Just say it, all the families of the earth. The lost, lonely, scattered, willful, sinful, rebellious, arrogant tribes of the earth. All the families of the earth will be blessed. Abraham, Israel, Jesus, new Israel, us, John Stott says. They won't be if we don't play our part. This is the big mission of God. This is something to give our lives to, is it not? We're not playing church, we're not playing Christianity. I'm so glad that I'm loved and accepted by God. But to be called into, now to be called into his mission, to own my own great salvation, but then to be caught up in what he's doing, and it's not a small thing. The neighborhoods are precious. And, and the neighborhoods in our day are magnificent, actually, because that we've got the nations of the world, these lost, lonely, scattered, striving, well, they're, they're amongst these days, when you say neighborhoods and nations, it's almost tomato, tomato. What a privilege to be caught up in this. Game on part B, reflect and reach out. Let's keep going with quality and with quantity. Be into maturity and mission. Edification and evangelism. Strengthening and lengthening. Strengthening and planting. Game on part C. Allow Jesus to set the parameters of our mission, of our vision. Uh, local elders are, are entrusted with quite a lot by God. Uh, one thing they're not entrusted with is the scope of our mission. We've got that from Jesus. And he says it's neighborhoods and nations. It's Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. One of the reasons we've got together and formed Advance is because we, none of us can even do our own neighborhood without help from other churches, let alone go to the nations. <laughs> Why Advance? Well, pragmatically, this is the mission of God. We're going to do the mission of God better if we help one another. It's very hard for one church to plant another good church. It's even harder to do it repeatedly, and it's even harder to do it without the sending church breaking down and crying. But when we, when we do it together, money, leaders, prayer, 
strengthening visits, we can breed like rabbits. We can plant nations, uh, plant, we can plant churches like rabbits. It's wonderful.